Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Because it is the last episode of Cloak and Dagger Season 1. You're listening to Cloak and Jabber, the only podcast about Cloak and Dagger on the internet. That's not true! I'm Alex. I'm Justin sitting on the sidelines. We are uh, driving you home because it's the end of a long day of work. And it's time to chill with a little Cloak and Jabber. (laughs) I'm Pete. Hey, Pete. Hey, Justin. Good chatting with you guys. I'm very excited to talk about the final episode of the first season of Cloak and Dagger. Me too. I'm going to miss the slow progression of your voice going from morning uh, shock jock <laughs> to regular Alex. Oh, it's a man. fun sort of, there's a halfway period where you're sort of like, hey, yeah, yeah I'm Alex. Know, you got to wind down from it is the thing. Uh, yeah, it's hard. You can't maintain that level of uh, obnoxiousness. For right. Also, we got to talk about uh, whether we're going to keep up this bit for season two. I think people lo- 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 love it. Yeah, I, I, I will say. I don't know if people love it. I don't know. I, I got to say, we decided, okay, this is called Cloak and Jabber. We're going to do a morning DJ type thing for the podcast. And then we watch the show. And we're like, this is inappropriate. Ah, <laughs> yep. But got to stick with it now. Other things we got to stick with are Pete LePage. Pete, I just want to give a little bit of a disclaimer here. You've been a real trooper over the course of the season because this show makes you very upset. Yeah. You guys make me watch the show that is very upsetting in a lot of different ways. I think it's reaching you. That, I think it's a good show. I do think that Cloak and Dagger is the best Marvel show on TV. Ooh. And I think that uh, that's why it's getting to you. It's good. And a uh, quick disclaimer, Pete's very angry right now. We should just say. And yeah. he's standing what up. What the fuck are hold you on that. talking okay, before about? Before this goes off the rails, this was part of the disclaimer where we we're going to say that Pete has showed a lot of progression over the course of the season. And his character aggression. arc, <laughs> aggression, uh, but his character arc has gone from being very angry in our first episode to sort of understanding that there's a difference between something being bad and it making you feel bad. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk Unless about. I don't many wanna, learn I don't spend... in, in when they're three years old. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but then we all learn and relearn it on Cloak and Dagger podcasts. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but take a deep breath, Pete. We're going to do a little bit of recap. You have time to gather your thoughts and think about it. I'm very excited to chat about this with you because we did talk a couple of episodes back and you started to really like some things about the show. Yes. So I'm going to encourage you to think about the things you liked about this episode first before we get into the things you didn't like, since I know okay. There's some things you're upset about. That's great. And that's fair. That's really but nice. A little bit of recap before we get into it. Tons of stuff have gone on this season. Everything comes ahead in this very last episode. Colony yeah. Collapse. So we got to be Ty and Tandy, two kids that were literally blown apart by an explosion of the Roxxon drilling platform back when they were kids. At the same time, Ty watched his brother be killed by a corrupt cop named Connors and he plunged into the water Tandy watched her dad who was working on the rocks on drilling platform die during that explosion he drove right off the road and died they got powers but those weren't powers weren't activated until years later they have opposing powers dagger aka Tandy has powers that allow her to see into people's hopes. And she's been experimenting and playing with that and getting stronger in that particular power. She can also create light daggers and throw them in a super cool superhero way. Mm. Ty is able to teleport, albeit only with the help of a cloak that his brother made for Mardi Gras, I guess. Yep. Yep. Uh, And he is also able to see people's fears and potentially pull them into their fears as well. Uh, So that's what's going on with them. At the same time, a detective named O'Reilly, who came from Harlem, knew a little lady named Misty Knight, came down to New Orleans, and she's been trying to help them out investigate uh, both of their things that are going on. I should mention that uh, for Tandy, her particular 
particular mystery is proving that her father was not at fault, not responsible for the Roxxon drilling platform explosion. Turns out it's actually a head of VP or something like that at Roxxon called Peter Scarborough. So those are their particular demons that they have to deal with. Yeah. The other thing that's happening is they met up with a girl named Mina Hess, who is the daughter of Ivan Hess, who is working with Tandy's dad, and they she is drilling for the same energy. She does not realize that it's starting to explode in the same way, but this time all over the city of New Orleans. And when that energy explodes outwards from the rocks on drilling stations, what happens is that it infects people essentially with a zombie virus, turns into these things that Ivan Hess calls terrors that basically become driven by pure fear and pure hate. And that is transferred by touch. Probably a couple of other things we should mention real quick. The two cliffhangers were that uh, Ty was accused of killing a cop, specifically O'Reilly's boyfriend. She knows he didn't do it and knows that Connors framed him. Uh, And Tandy's mom was being attacked by a dude, a lady, excuse me, that works a lady dude, if you will, who works mm. for Peter Scarborough, who previously had killed a lawyer that Tandy was working with. I think that pretty much covers it, That's right? about it. Yeah, nice job. Don't worry, guys. A little more recap to go, because we're going to jump into my favorite section, oh, where yeah. we go to our New Orleans correspondent, Brett Macris. You can check him out on Twitter, at Brett Macris, B-R-E-T-M-A-C-R-I-S. And he's got a couple of notes about episode nine. This is the last episode, which I know you aren't here for the podcast, but you got caught up on, right, Pete? Yeah, I saw it. We talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, how Good. it probably drove you insane. Oh, I was so mad. I almost put my fist through my screen. Great. This is not time for that particular section. Instead, we're going to go to Brett's notes. He says that the opening with Voodoo Ant takes place in the front of St. Louis Cathedral in Jackson Square, French Quarter. And you have to squint, but in the background, you can see what we affectionately call Touchdown Jesus. He attached a picture, but unfortunately, I have weird privacy settings on our Twitter account, so I'm not able to see it. So look up Touchdown Jesus if you're at home uh, to see a picture. Uh, he continues, Touchdown Jesus, there's no way she'd be able to do voodoo in the middle of the street. Uh, if you remember from the previous episode, she was spitting rum and uh, drawing chalk yep. signs on the ground. This is the ant who knows that Ty and Tandy are part of a divine pairing that is going to prevent, hopefully, the destruction of the city. Uh, there's no way she'd be able to do that voodoo in the middle of the street. Too much traffic. The police station is right down the street from my house. There's no police station there, but they are on the corner of Frenchman and Cotter, the beginning of one of the most musical streets in New Orleans, Frenchman Street. Not really known to tourists, it's four blocks of great local music, restaurants, and a legendary record store. Also, my favorite brewery. Ty's mom's office is in the CBD Arts District in a building that is usually an artist gallery, two blocks from emeralds. Oh, it's always got to come back from emeralds. It always comes back to emeralds. I think the bar the detective is drinking in is the Black Penny on Rampart, the north end of the French Quarter and across from Armstrong Park. Great dive bar with an excellent beer selection. Really helps scrub the dead boyfriend out of the refrigerator of your mind, he says. Uh, I wonder if they do have a bat hanging in there. The last episode was called Backbreaker. It's named after this bath. They tell a little story about it. Uh, Side note, if every hero just let go of the tragedies that defined them, we wouldn't have comics. There'd be no Batman. Sorry, priest principal. That's uh, Father Delgado, who is a friend of Ty's. Sorry, priest principal. His tragedy defines him. He just chose a different direction. Uh, that place is definitely Black Penny. I feel like uh, the detective after too many hours there. He also says, last note, I'm not sure what the last scene on the street with Ty and Tandy wandering around was supposed to be. I understand the meaning, but the scene was too sparse to be Bourbon Street and too suburban and certainly too tame to be Mardi Gras. But there's so many people wandering around with those horrible green, purple, and yellow striped shirts, tourist-only Mardi Gras shirts and giant beads. The whole thing seemed out of step with the rest of the show, like an old person tourist version of what New Orleans is like. I'm actually very curious to hear Brett's note on this last episode, which actually does spend a good portion of the running time at Mardi Gras. To mention on that note, we'll talk about this a little bit more, uh, but so we can get Brett's notes, we'll do one final episode after this uh, where we talk about his notes on episode 10, maybe some predictions for the second season, things like that. But Pete, should we jump into the episode, start talking about this? Yes, please. All right. So it kicks off and actually threads throughout with a a series of stories that Auntie is telling about previous destructions that have come to New Orleans. Right. She's telling these stories about the divine pairing, about the divine pairing. Uh, she's telling these stories to Emoji Girl, who is her niece. Uh, her actual name is Avita, as it turns out. 
Fun emoji fact. Emoji Girl is what her name is. Yeah. Well, her given name, her Christian name is Emoji Girl, of course. Uh, what do you think about these stories, Pete? I thought they were great. It's just upsetting when you give a cliffhanger and then you start with, we're going to do a flashback story. I mm. want that information, but I don't want it there because I just had to wait to see what's going to happen. Now you're going to make me wait longer. I understand what you're saying, and I think that's a structural thing to draw you in, right. uh, the idea being exactly the feeling that you have, that you want that resolution of that cliffhanger. It's going to make you wait a little more, so you're going to feel tense and anticipate it the entire time you see that first story. Right, but the problem with that is you're not... I get too angry to listen <laughs> to the story. So you're talking, I'm going... Fuck you, give me the three, two, one countdown. All right. Okay, fair enough. You could, I guess, skip by that, it, except it's, you know, important information for the end of the episode, Pete, so I want to skip by yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, we get, you know, other flashback stories, so. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, the key, I like the flashback stories, particularly the first one. Uh, we've talked a lot. Uh, this Those flashback stories for me brought to bear a lot of things that I have really liked and respected about the show over the course of the first season. Um, I love the music in the show. I think they do a really good job of weaving the music throughout all the scenes yeah. and making it work, whether the music has words or not. I think there's a really strong emotion in the show, and there's also very purposeful structure. I understand that you didn't, you were frustrated because you wanted to get the resolution of the cliffhanger, but the fact that they set up this uh, flashback story and then pepper them throughout. That's very true to what they have done with every episode so far. So I'm glad that they didn't ditch a very specific structure just for the last episode. I think we'll agree to disagree on that. Uh, let me weigh in here because uh, I really liked it. I thought that added a lot of uh, history. It really justified. No, but give it to me in a chunk. Don't make me wait because you've already left me at a cliffhanger. Wait longer. Well, for let's a story. Let, before we get hung up on this. Remember, we're, we're deep breathing. We're remaining <laughs> calm throughout the episode, Pete. Forget about the first one. And let's talk about the stories as a whole. Yeah, right. great, great. Uh, I think they uh, they awesome stories. I think they're really cool. Yeah, very cool, very relevant to the location and to our two main characters. Also, I really like how they hit on the fact that somebody's got to die. Yeah, yeah. So the way that these stories Even work, though. Well, hold on. We'll get hold there. On. We'll get there. Uh, the idea of the story is you get this divine pairing. Um, they're brought together by circumstance. The first one is two kids. One of them walks into a river and weighs herself down with stones. Suicide rock basket. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a bummer to have to make that basket oh, and then man. have it be And also that die. other dude's just like, goodbye. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. You didn't wave. Or... Don't you wave. He just like looks sad with his eyes. Oh, well, it's okay. fucked up I, to the wave. The way you were doing your figure, I thought you were doing like he was doing the middle figure. He's like, fuck you, little girl. You a wave when someone's walking into a you wanna, suicide rock situation. You want to do something other than just fucking stand there. Well, they probably said goodbye. Yeah, we didn't see it. Yeah, a wave is a little bit like because the other person can't wave back because wave they're holding their suicide rock basket. Yeah. Right. I, I will mention, is if not you go, go online to Freeform's website, they have a three-second long digital exclusive where it's just the little kid waving yeah, to the other That rock. is a Good. fun, fun yeah, extra. It's, it's <laughs> totally <laughs> worth it. Uh, and did so you guys, they, I actually have a couple antique uh, suicide rock baskets if you guys want to... Um, go to the river? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of us of our divine trio here needs to sacrifice <laughs> themselves. I don't know. I'm going to slash both of your arms just in case. Cool. So what happens over the course of each of these disasters that befall New Orleans is that one person makes a huge sacrifice towards the other person. They survive. It immediately stops the disaster, whether it's a flood or a famine or a plague or something War. like that. Or so, something biblical. Uh, and the implication is the same thing is going to happen with Ty and Tandy by the end of the episode. But Big time. We'll, again, we'll get to what actually happens. Yes, very coy. <laughs> Alex just put on his coy voice. <laughs> so you know he's being coy. I'm a coy All boy. All right, so let's get into it after the fucking bullshit stories. Okay, okay. You just said you like the story, so yeah. comment on down. Uh, but we do pick up both of the cliffhangers. We see what happens with Ty and Tandy. Justin, do you want to walk us through this? Let's do it. Uh, well, we start after our uh, lovely flashback. Um, we uh, Emoji Girl uh, puts the Cloak and Dagger dolls together. Because we know that this is the episode where we finally get to see them acting as Cloak am ampersand dagger as opposed to Cloak dash dagger. Oh, yeah? How long did we have to wait for that to happen? 
just the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. That's All right, fun. again, deep breath speed. The show deep is breath. called Cloak or Dagger up it's until this episode. Yeah, and then they're, at the last moment, they're like, clo- the or flips That's not the true. O, yeah. and it becomes an ambition. Rewatch it. Yeah. 100%. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. It was one of the digital three-second digital exclusives. Yeah, you no. got to watch the three-second. Three you got to cram a lot of... Uh, yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of exposition in there. Yeah. Uh, so then we jump into the situations uh, where we... Le- the cliffhanger situations where we left off. Uh, in it, uh, Tandy and her mom are trying to get away from the uh, assassin in the hat. Right. And... Uh, hat assassin. Hat assassin, as you will. Uh, well, again, three-second digital exclusive. She... Uh, it's... Tandy advances on her, yeah. Let, gets the Power mom, gets the mom over. away, and then the mom is the dagger. She yeah. gets, so, grabs a knife and stabs. And that him. scene was great. Tense. Uh, I love the fight there. I love the mom and Tandy teaming up to take down the assassin. Um, I have a question for you though. There's a lot of time spent where Tandy's just kind of slowly walking towards her, right. and you think that maybe she's going to do the hope powers or something like that. Why didn't? The hat assassin attack her mom. Was it right, because, because she... the hat assassin goes, I'm giving you the count of three. Counts, nothing happens. Slowly walking. Hat assassin is not a good assassin. Yeah, but, but she ha- should have just shot her mom and then turned and shot Tandy. Well, but hat assassin is a bad assassin for a number of reasons. One, a hat is not a good disguise. No. The hat is just uh, everybody wears hat. Focusing on the wrong stuff here, guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, bad assassin because well, this is all a pot kettle situation going on. <laughs> also, bad assassin because um, she didn't kill anybody. Right. Uh, this episode. Uh, let's see. Is why there a point to this? Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, because the reason she didn't shoot is because Tandy's saying a bunch of stuff that is important information for her to know. She's like, you want the documents, right? She's like, wait, what documents? Like, Tandy is be- makes herself uh, but dangerous. But are you an assassin or are you an information gatherer? If you're paid to kill somebody, you kill that person, then you go get your money. There's yeah. no negotiation of, like, do you care about the documents? No. That a hat assassin does not care about the documents. Yeah, that's the doc assassin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I felt like I was a little iffy on how it was played necessarily, but I, I, I think the idea of the scene was to see. We were left with Tandy had this decision to make at the end of the episode. Is she going to try to be a hero or not? Yeah. And ultimately, her decision here is yes, I am. I'm going to step up no matter what happens. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to save she my mom. She didn't try a shit, man. She, she did. She, she did walked horribly up horribly throughout all okay, deep not, breaths, deep nine, breaths, ten episodes. She, at the very last minute, was like, maybe I'll try to be a it good person. And she joked about it. it takes like she time. wasn't horrible to every person she came into contact hey, with. It takes some time Pete? to be a hero. Sun's going down, big guy. All right. <laughs> Safe word. Yeah. Time for Pete's safe word. <sighs> Unfortunately, Pete's safe word is cloak and dagger. <laughs> <laughs> it's also his trigger word. Oh, weird. Ironically. Uh, anyway, they get rid of the hat assassin, at least for now. She shows up later uh, conveniently. Yep. Oddly, yeah. <laughs> in a weird uh, way. On the Ty side, um, Ty escapes uh, briefly, and then Dad says that Ty has to run. Yes. Yeah. And he gives him his cloak, and then poof, he's gone. Right. Like a great magician. Yeah. Uh, again, I thought it was pretty cold, the way his dad was like, don't ever. Cold? No, so, okay, I actually, I thought a lot about you while I was watching the scene, Pete, because oh, man, that's one thing that you got super pissed off about in the first episode is you felt like they weren't spending enough time talking about race, and specifically uh, how that affected Ty and his family, and that's been a conversation over the course of the season, right. where they've struggled with the fact that they are and affluent. You, we they got do. that in this episode. Yeah. The dad finally addressed it, and the mom finally addressed it. But I, I thought in the scene where he tells him to run, that was one of the most heartbreakingly explicit discussions of it in the history of the series. Like, they can have them talking about it out loud, but his dad, who is an upstanding member of the community, Ty, who is a good kid, they're rich. They are well-connected. Him going to his son and being like, there is no choice other than you have to run away forever and I am never going to see you again is awful. That yeah, is, but he's losing his son in the same way he already lost his uh, Exactly. Son. And for him to make that decision, to me, almost says more about race relations and the way 
race is treated than almost any of the other conversations that they have. Because he's like, if you stay here, you're going to die. If you leave and I don't see you, you will live and I will take solace in that. Right. And that him immediately realizing that this is going to happen to you because you are a black kid. And that's what happens to black kids. Uh, He doesn't need to say that out loud. He doesn't need to tell Ty. They both know it. Um, And it's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really great moment. And then Ty one-ups him and vanishes very fast. Yes. Which is good. Got to one up some. <laughs> and his dad's like, oh, you got me good, yeah. son. <laughs> no, <laughs> that did not happen. Uh, next up, uh, Tandy goes to find Mina, uh, who um, is... Uh, She's having a nice moment with her father. Tandy uh, totally turns into bitchy Tandy and is like, oh, I see you. You're, you're having talking fun about the with last, your father. You're you know talking about the do? last episode. That's the last episode. That's episode nine. Okay. And then I know she, you weren't here last week. <laughs> right. And so uh, Tandy's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to steal your motherfucking hope because I'm an evil, Again, evil that is person. Last episode. I don't care. It still happened. <laughs> and it was bullshit because Tandy stole a good person's hope. A person who looked out for her. This is Whoa, so- what, what is that? Is that is that the sunset? It's the sunset. Is it happening? Is it's it weird that you would start talking horizon? about that in the middle of this episode. <laughs> because in the middle of this episode, she has to deal with Mina and the fact that Mina is losing hope because Tandy took it from her. So that's no, why I'm talking about it. So no, what happens is uh, she goes to find Mina so that they can put a stop to all it, of this And disaster. she says to Mina, you're... Uh, the, my only hope. You're something like that. Yeah, you're the only hope for the city. Right. Uh, and so it is, I think you're right. I think she is giving Mina back that hope she's uh, yeah. taken. That she took from her. The, again, yes, but then she gave it back. Uh, she we need to. Uh, we need to give people the option to change. That is how yeah. character arcs work. And we've talked about this over the course of the entire season, but Tandy didn't start as an asshole, but she very quickly due to circumstances became a selfish asshole and she's made progress survival. Yeah. And she has progressed towards trying to be a better person. She's not quite there yet. Like, let's say, I don't think she's, let's say there's somebody who struggled with anger issues. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's like a hypothetical hypothetical idea. And they were watching a TV show that made them really, really crazy angry all the time. Not a TV show like this one, a different one, like Cheers. Yeah, like Cheers. (laughs) Like, let's say there was a Cheers podcast and they were like, fucking Sam and Diane, get the fuck it together already. I don't care about Rebecca. Sam and Diane are OTP. Let's say they were like that, right? Right. But they knew they had to do a podcast every week, that person would slowly, slowly try to get better. They may not get 100% better and fall in love with the show, but even that 10%, that 20% that they are better is admirable. And that's, um, of course, talking about Tandy. Tandy, we're not talking about. fucking call me Tandy. Because Tandy became a hero, and the person we're talking about in this example also became a hero. (laughs) (laughs) My hero. (laughs) (laughs) So back to Tandy. She tracks down Mina in order to try to fix what's going on in the city and the terrors that are breaking loose. She realizes, uh, again, great action sequence. She takes down a couple of terrors. I got to tell you, I was so nervous this episode that anybody was going to touch anybody else. It freaked me out. Tandy got touched. Nothing happened to her. When? She immediately, the when she was, shows up at Nina's house, the tackles strangling, her. The guy's strangling. Strangling oh, her. No, no. She, it's okay if she gets touched. She, anybody... wasn't, she wasn't touched on the skin, though. If you yes, watch she it, was. She was being strangled. No, no, no. It was on her clothes. I was watching it. They, they, uh, they were very careful. Her, took her to the ground, and then started strangling her. Again, it was again, a jump touch. It, it, it did not touch her skin. I understand what you're saying. I went back. I watched it. They were very careful with Ty and Tandy and Mina that even, well, not Mina later on, yeah. but uh, Ty and Tandy in particular, that when anybody went at them, they didn't actually touch their skin even when they were grappling. Like, it looked like it. It got very close, but they didn't. Yeah. I was curious, though, what would happen, because I had, like, a sneaky a suspicion over the course of the episode that their powers would be able to suck the fear the out of people, out. which ultimately is kind of what happened, yes. but uh, not on a one-to-one basis, which I thought maybe would have been the solution. Uh, yeah, and also uh, in that uh, light, they kill a bunch of these terrors. Oh, they're why? just regular people. Yeah, that was a bummer, huh? Yeah, yeah, I was surprised by that. that. I was also surprised by that. Also, like, why, why make us go through that? Why not 
keep the terrors at a distance from the hero so it doesn't look like they're immune to it and they can be touched, which then undercuts the Well, because you, these are the, your hero is attacked and uh, she gets out of it by stabbing yeah. him. And I think you want to make uh, the audience, like like I was saying, I felt really nervous the entire time. Yeah. That right, but when she got looked like she got touched, to me, I was like, well, what the fuck? This is like, let's say, if you were doing a Cheers podcast, I'm just going to oh, throw something out there, and people were focusing on how Cliff sat on a stool too much, and like, yeah. is he a little too left on the stool, right, is he a little saying, too right on the stool? if you have all these holes in your show, you can't ignore all the fucking holes Like, why the are they keep giving Norm beer? What's his tab? is too big. It's his too big. too big. Why does he keep getting beer? Stop letting him get free beer. What happened to Coach? Where did he go? Where did Coach go? Oh, and he, where he, did Woody come from, and why was he so similar to Coach? Huh. I don't know if you can say Woody was similar to Coach. <laughs> they were both a bit uh, a step behind everybody else. Sure, but that that's a similarity. Yeah. By the way, uh, check out our Cheers podcast, Coach and Jabber, yeah. which is a separate <laughs> podcast feed. So our, anyway, our Cheers and Coach the podcast, the TV show Coach, called Coach and Dauber. <laughs> no one gets that joke. Don't uh, get also, that joke. it looked like Dauber? Cloak got touched on the arm before. Why, yeah. What are you, the fucking police? <laughs> <laughs> when you have a thing where it goes, if you get touched, you turn into terror, I'm going to watch that. I'm going to pay attention to that. <laughs> what are you, like, it, you set it up, I'm just following the okay, rules. Is that so the most important you're right, thing? and we're not, I really don't want to spend too much time on this. It's you're late. absolutely right. They didn't get touched. <laughs> I definitively tell you, they did not get touched. It looked like they almost did. It got close. That was to build tension, <laughs> similar to the first scene of the episode, which was to build tension, making you wonder what yeah. uh, was happening with the cliffhanger. The thing that you need to get through your head, Pete, is the show is working on you emotionally, and that is yeah, how they are setting it up. It is working correctly. It is working the way it's supposed to work. Unless Good. you were touched by a terror. Oh, were you touched by a terror? Yeah. Uh, I, okay. I well. knew it. Uh, so... Uh, m- Mina and Tandy decide they have to go to Roxxon to shut off these valves. We learned there are a bunch of different uh, pipe stations ar- around the city that are going to yeah. start leaking this. It's like, hey, horrible. guys, yeah, do you think you should maybe go to the evil corporation and shut the fucking thing down? Right, but they don't know exactly where it is. I mean, the first time it was on the oil drilling platform or drilling platform. Uh, now it's in various locations around the city. They don't know exactly where to go, but they figure maybe we need to go yeah, to the main one. they ask the evil guy the and they trust thing. he'll tell them the truth. Uh, and he so, does. Yeah. So there you go. There you cool. Go. Evil wins once again. Um, we cut to the Mardi Gras parade, which is uh, fun. That's yeah, a but fun break. It w- didn't look like a very authentic you're Mardi just, Gras you're parade. A Have you been you're there negative. for Mardi Gras? No. Uh, no. So what are you basing that on? Uh, shit that I've seen that is like people at like Mardi Gras taking pictures and stuff. Like on a TV uh, show. Okay. No, like people go on. You're basing trips. it on the parade for Ferris Bueller's Day Off, aren't no, you? No, that's not. That's in Chicago. That's what I'm saying. It's in Chicago, so it wouldn't be a good example of that. Yeah. Totally different parade. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, cheers where they go to Mardi Gras. (laughs) No. People, friends that have been there and shown me pictures. I got to tell you, actually, I was pretty surprised about the timeline for this because I didn't realize that it was happening around Mardi Gras. I guess I could have, should have figured that with them putting together the cloaks and everything. But well, I watched it and I was like, is this Mardi Gras? And then later they were like, there's a something going on in the garden district. And I was like, that sounds like it's not Mardi Gras because they would say like the something going on at the Mardi Gras parade. And then two scenes later, they're like, hey, it's Mardi Mardi Gras. Gras. Yes. So I, I agree with you. The Mardi Gras parade was, uh, it was a little confusing whether what was exactly happening. Did it yeah. feel like an authentic Mardi Gras to you guys? Well, I did see there was that scene where uh, Ty stops to get a couple of beignets and Tandy is cooking up Zatarain's rice. Yeah, it was, was crazy. Like, ah, that's New Orleans, all right. The big uh, trombone solo was really surprising for me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was pretty great. And, of course, the gator boats, which was the coolest part. Yeah, the gator boats. Love that oh, gator boat chase. God, we finally got one of, the, one of those in there. that gator boat chase. Uh, so Ty is at the Mardi Gras parade trying to avoid being seen. Uh, he's a bit conspicuous in his giant black cloak. Right. Well, uh, I mean, kind of. He's making eye that contact with all the was, cops looking for him He truly well. would walk up to a cop and go, Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I yes, you're right, but at the same time, I loved how they filmed the scene. Yes, it was cool. Because Ty is looking through he's very suspicious. Clearly the cops can see him. Uh clearly they are tracing him through the crowd, but the way they film it is they have very clear and they don't even really necessarily try to hide them, but they have these very clear, very quick camera crosses and he uh, jumps out of frame 
and then he's gone and then he's in another place. It was just a really nice practical effect versus constantly having him having to do a teleport effect. And I like that. I thought it was a cool way to film it. It was cool. And in this episode uh, as a whole, Ty's sort of struggling with his powers. He is basing them all on what he's wearing and doesn't seem to have a lot of confidence in them. Because before he... Yeah, she can dagger, you know, she's throwing daggers, she can cut open doors, you know, but he like has his powers, then he's questioning them. Yeah. And then he needs his cloak, but in the beginning he didn't need a cloak, but now he needs a cloak. And then she's yeah, like, well, you don't really need a cloak, but I'll, oh, by the way, here's finally the hoodie that I stole um, from your brother. Well, then we'll get there as well. Uh, but uh, she, I mean, to talk about that moment, he's unsure of himself. He, yeah. uh, lost. He thought he knew what he was doing. He thought, okay, I get Connors. I put everything away. But if you remember, I think it was the third episode when they're exploring each other's dreams Mm -hmm. and Tandy realizes that no matter what happens, he's not really going to get closure. That he catches Connors but it still doesn't finalize his arc. And that's what pays off of this last episode, which I thought was kind of impressive. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so, uh, in uh, light of that, uh, Ty O'Reilly rolls in, and she's like, "Hey, come on, let's get out of here. You're going to get caught yeah, here." And Ty's like, "Wait, hold on a second. Let me stare at your car for a couple of minutes, yeah. and then the cops catch them." And, and he, he says, "There's too many people for me to use my powers," yeah, which I think, doesn't make sense. I think that's fair. I think for him, he's to- shy. It was a big deal for him to reveal himself to O'Reilly and Beard Cop. Right. Um, for him to do it in front of everybody, particularly when he's dealing with insecurity issues throughout the episode, I I was a little iffy about it at first, but the more that I thought about it, the more I think it made sense for I think it tracks. I feel like he yeah. maybe that was an excuse he made, like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to use my powers now because he didn't know if he could, if they right. would work. Yeah, he so, joked that, like, I only could use them if a gun's pointed at me. Yeah. Which I don't know that, that was, was a joke so much as yeah. <laughs> because that's when it happens. Yeah, uh, we have uh, so th- throughout this the, this episode we have uh, Moji Girl and her aunt sort of narrating and being. I thought this is a very comic booky choice in addition yeah. to the the flashbacks to have them uh, just checking in and, and giving us the stakes of the, yeah. in the the history. Especially the aunt being like something's coming, talking about the terror, which yeah. I thought was cool. I thought that was cool. Uh, then, uh, so we're right back on uh, Ty and O'Reilly, and they are locked up in the back of the police station in, like, uh, the closet, basically. They're not booked. So you know that Connors is, uh, has, uh, he's got his crooked cops, and yeah. they are. And I thought this, again, great scene. Aubrey yeah. Joseph, who plays Ty, is really, really good in this scene. He gives this impassioned plea to the cop, explaining yeah. that he is part of the city, he's part of New please, Orleans. Yeah, yeah, a good which underscores uh, this sets up the choice that he makes at the end of the episode to, as I mean, spoiler, but you're listening to a spoiler podcast uh, to sacrifice himself for the city. But this is this is that set up here. This is him explaining what the city means to him, why it's important, why he is part of it, why they're all part of it and how they're all connected. And the cop is about to turn around and let them out when another cop comes in and immediately that cop's like, I'm out of here. I can't. I got to go. I got to go. Connors comes in and pulls them out and is like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take you in a car. Monologues about what he's going to do. Connors is an asshole. Connors is a horrible, murderous asshole. asshole. Horrible, right? But he's doing it to taunt them. You know, he's throwing out there. He's like, "Yeah, O'Reilly, you're going to get shot. Get away with whatever you want to do because he's a cop. Tie and shoot you, and you're both going to die, and nobody's going to care because it's the middle of Mardi Gras." Um, And they get pretty upset are about to be taken out. They're trying to figure out some way out of it. O'Reilly breaks her own thumb to try to get out of some handcuffs. Yeah, the old Mel Gibson was, like, throwing the shoulder out uh, of them. God, horrible, horrible thing. That sucks. And then terrors attack the police station. And we don't feel bad for all the horrible cops that die. Uh, you could feel a little bit bad. No, uh, no, you why? An interesting thing I thought. They uh, set that up in the show that, uh, you know, these cops are horrible. You know, these are racist cops who are not doing their job, which is protecting people. They're killing black kids and doesn't mean anything to them. So yes, please die. Uh, that's one way to look at it. Also, though, the cop that is that Ty talks to uh, realizes his mistake and is about to fix it. 
um, when he uh, walks away. So do you think he should deserve to die? No, I mean, he helped and uh, was yeah, very doesn't. nice during he, the melee. Yeah, yeah no, he, he doesn't die. But I'm he saying tells maybe him where those the other cape cops, is and uh, shit. And it, anyway, I thought an interesting thing, um, him, uh, Ty, talking to that cop, Lafayette, I think his name was, is his, uh, he's sort of using, he's talking about fear. I feel like that was an example of him, like, using a little bit of his powers in a new way. Like, he can mm-hmm. speak to fear and speak to people's fears in a way that helps to oh, uh, influence them. Yeah, I could see that. Well, that's cool. Uh, so I thought that was cool. Uh, so, yeah, the terrorist attack, and uh, I think we could keep following this thread, even though they jumped sure. back and forth a little bit. Uh, so they've, Ty, of course, knows what's going on with the terrorists. He explains, don't touch them. I need to get my cloak. Uh, they get his cloak. He ends up getting into a room with all of the terrors in order to trap them and is trying to pour it out, but he clearly can't. Uh, he either he's too scared or the cloak's getting tattered too much or something like that. Um, yeah, I felt like he, it was the, the cloak getting destroyed was distracting him and making right. him unable to use his powers. Yes. Uh, and he eventually does pour it out, but we'll get back to that in a second, exactly what happens. So Mina and Tandy, as we mentioned, head to Roxxon. They Run come into in. the old... Fucking douchebag. Well, we, Peter we get a nice uh, uh, Easter egg of the Starks and mentioning the Starks and the Rands yep. here, uh, talking to mm-hmm. um, Peter Scarborough, which I thought was fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. There's a lot of Easter eggs in this episode. He immediately also mentions that the main, uh, not drilling platform, but the main shutdown valve or whatever it is, Pumping is station. at Warehouse 616, yeah. which, if you don't know Marvel Comics, uh, Alan Moore back in the day referred to Marvel Comics, the Marvel Universe, as the main 616 universe, so that's kind of stuck uh, as a catchphrase. Uh, the Stark and the Rand thing thing, I think, was pretty interesting, though, uh, just because there's been this weird separation between the Marvel movies and the Marvel TV stuff, but it feels like after they've been following the movies for so many years, they're starting to strike out and try to sort of build their own TV universe a little bit. Yeah. We've had shout outs from Luke Cage. Uh, Luke Cage mentioned O'Reilly. O'Reilly mentioned Misty Knight from Luke Cage. So we've had a little bit of back and forth there. Uh, there is an interesting thing. If you watched uh, this last episode of Cloak and Dagger on Freeform, they premiered the... Uh, first episode of Runaways from Hulu immediately after it. Uh, and there's been a lot of call for a crossover between the two youth casts. Yeah. In fact, when they were talking about running away, Ty and Tandy running away, I was like, oh, they're going to totally head to Los Angeles and mix it up with the Runaways. That would be cool. Obviously, that's not what happened. But it does feel like with that and the Rand Corporation mention that they are starting to potentially tighten the TV universe a little bit. Yeah. And I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, so then uh, Tandy... Uh, Peter Scarborough is there, and Tandy uh, gets into his head and says, uh, what do you want? Uh, well, you first for? off, Mina punches, Mina punches him, him, which yes. is great. I mean, Jesus like Christ, guys. Can we talk about on. Ali Baki's physicality in this episode a little bit? She was just like, her shoulders She's were hunched, hunched yeah. Yeah. and she was just like She's a scrapper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Uh, she is Never such a great... to make the short person. Yes, she is such a great addition to the cast. I think she's fantastic. Uh, definitely. Was a great addition. Whoa, what? What? Uh, what did so you do to her, Pete? Inside uh, Scarborough's head, uh, Tandy says, oh, you, you want to run the world? You want your you greed? Want, he wants to be a god. He wants to be a god right through that door. Yeah, and, uh, right that, this way. That freezes him in the same trap that kept... Uh, right. So that was an interesting revelation. So not only can Tandy talk to people she's figured out in her sort of hope world, but she can access different places in it. And particularly what she accesses is the hatch, the door that leads into... Ivan Hess's catatonic state. Um, catatonic state where he was constantly stuck in this loop and being attacked by terrors. Um, that's an interesting wrinkle to her powers. It's surprising. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me, really, but um, it was cool. I like that as the punishment fate for this guy, this villain. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it would be nice if they did something, but yeah, it was cool. I also think that it was reminded me of the moment of like when... Um, Oh, shit. What was I thinking of? I totally blanked on it. 
Well, let, let me jump in while you're yeah. thinking about it, because I do think it makes sense uh, because we've already seen that Ty and Tandy can access each other's dream states, yeah. which almost implies that there's almost this central conscious unconscious going on that encompasses everybody's fears and everybody's hopes. And it's almost a world in a way. Yeah. That, yes. So which was reminded me of Emoji Girl being able to live in that world as well. I thought that was a cool uh, revelation. That was the last episode. Oh, well, yeah. it was still cool. Yes, it, it was I agree. Cool. It was it, very cool. It agrees with the fact that yes. everybody can be. So she traps yeah. him there. They figure out what it is, and they decide to head on down there to stop it. But when that happens, they get attacked by a ton of terrors, as well as the Hatsassin, who immediately gets overtaken by terrors That as was well. so crazy. The Hatsassin's there on second. It's like, whoa! <laughs> she gets uh, turned into a yeah, terror. But they run into basically the Joker's hideout and try yeah. to get away there. But at the same time, Mina gets... It's touched by a terror, uh, which, by the way, that's our Touched by an Angel podcast you guys should listen to. We yeah. sort of do it as like a horror podcast. We take podcast. it down. Yeah, like Touched by a Terror. And uh, starts chasing her around. But at the last second, Cloak ports in with a stun gun, stuns Mina Hess, and they find themselves together again for the very first Cloak time. and Dagger. And then and they play that sweet theme. And yeah, she goes, it them. took you long enough. I was Cloak like, you... and Dagger, finally together. She throws knives and he has some feathers. Doesn't have feathers. He actually just has a cloak. What a falsetto. Wow. What a voice of an angel. Yeah, what we... do you guys think of that theme song? Do you think I should send it over to the Cloak and Dagger people? I think they have it. Yeah. <laughs> they probably have it by now. But I was sad that uh, Mina died. She didn't die. She didn't die. She, she, got, the, she got touched. You really again obsessed with this. Uh, so, oh, this is jumping ahead. Everybody who got touched got fixed. Yeah, except for the people that had weird light holes. In them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, except, they were not fixed. Except for all the people they murdered. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's keep going uh, forward. Um, Ty and Tandy back at the church, not feeling too good. Emoji girl shows up and says, hey, funny story. I'm uh, Ty's uh, on again, off again girlfriend. One of you is going to die. You're the protectors of the city. Hey, Ty, I sort of love you, but uh, it's not going to work out. Bye. And they just instantly believe her and off we go. Yeah. So uh, this was a really interesting scene to me because I think on a certain sense, they're at their, it follows this hero's journey that we were talking about in the last episode, right? They're yeah. at their lowest point. Somebody comes in, jolts them out of that, and that's really all they need. But at the same time, there's been all this buildup of what Emoji Girl needs to do to help the divine pairing, what Auntie needs to do to help the divine pairing. And ultimately, it's like, you guys are the divine pairing. Yeah. Goodbye. Just tell them. And Sorry, can't do more. <laughs> uh, and it works. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't need to be her being like, here are your dagger costumes and your cloak costumes or anything like that. Yeah. She just gives them the information and they suddenly snaps in for them. They understand what they need to do. Yeah. Um, but it's a very weirdly little gesture. It was surprising. Yeah. Uh, then we get the big reveal that Tandy reveals finally that she has Ty's brother's hoodie. Yes. Which um, I thought was great. I thought it was great, too. I was surprised he didn't just murder her right there. He yes, has her slipper. He has clothing. her ballet slipper. Yeah. It's not the same thing, man. It is almost the same. Well, it's a similar I, piece of clothing. I think, to your point, though, Pete, I think there was an element of him She's being like, upset about it. She's like, it's the first thing I stole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they are dealing with a lot of shit right now, and I think the way Aubrey Joseph played it was he was not entirely happy to find out that she had it, but ultimately they've got to push forward and they've got to take care of saving the city so he can't be like, fuck you for stealing my hoodie, goodbye forever. Yeah, know? she yeah. purposely waited until there was bigger things going on to reveal that she had the hoodie. I, I think she didn't want to give it up. It was literally her security blanket. It was blanket. her security blanket. And yeah. She says that. And she also, though, is finally does make the sacrifice because she knows that time Stop needs defending it. a horrible person. She knows she's not a horrible person. Uh, she's literally the hero, one of the two heroes of the show. She decides that he needs it more. And also that maybe she doesn't need a security blanket like that anymore because she has changed and she's ready to be the person she wants to be. Right. And remember what we talked about a little bit earlier is being a hero isn't making that 100% leap. It's uh, making like a 10 to 20 percent lead, like, like going from three somebody, or four moments. Yeah, there's just little moments over the course of, say, 10 to 11 podcast episodes that really make a person's character. Right. Exactly. The what? real name of this show is Cloak and Dagger and Pete. 
Uh, so they head downtown and she's daggering. He's cloaking. O'Reilly's yeah. shooting citizens, murdering <laughs> people left and right. Again, very weird that they're doing this. I yeah. understand it. They don't have a lot of choices, but it feels like they could have done something without killing people, maybe. But that's the choice. They that's made. the choice. they made. I mean, honestly, it felt more real. It didn't feel right for a superhero TV show since we know this consequences. But in that situation, sure, I feel like 100%. People would be the weirder part happens when O'Reilly is like, I shot a couple of people and all the terrors run that way. And then she's like, a job well done. Yeah, now to this empty parking lot. Walking to an empty parking chill, lot, putting put her my gun, gun away. away. Yeah. Which I did not love that part. That felt a little too convenient and easy in terms of setting up what's going like to happen. separate location yeah. shoot. It was yes. like next day. Yeah. 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 That, was, that was a bit of a bummer. But O'Reilly does get confronted by Connors. Connor shoots her a bunch of time and dumps her maybe in a lake or a river or one of New Orleans' many river deltas. Oh, yeah. Could be. Great point. Uh, and we, she dies, and we never see her again. Well, oh, she gets, did you remember one thing? She gets blasted by some uh, yeah, juice. Some oh, juice. she gets, some juice hits her. Yeah. yeah. The juice is loose. Indeed. Wow. Uh, say. She gets kicked right. in the water, Real never quick. to be seen again. Uh, we get a, a flash sideways with a, a Sail Away cover playing under some French voiceover. Do you guys know who was singing Sail Away? Who, no? Olivia Holt, who plays uh, Tandy. Really? Yeah. She has a little bit of a music career. In fact, she has a big music career that she had going before she got cast as Dagger. Uh, So there you go. That was was a little weird to me, knowing that that was her singing over her doing stuff. A little strange, but it was a very pretty cover. And I liked how it played into the scene. So Ty realizes, because he has a slash on his arm, just like in these stories, even though he didn't hear the stories, I think think at this point, here's what I took away from it. I think they literally, the same way the people in the stories know what they need to do, they have gotten this knowledge. They have understood this knowledge. Yeah. The city has granted them this knowledge. That's what we've come to understand and why we are being told these stories is so that they can come to this decision themselves. So Ty realizes, oh, because I teleport, I'm the only person that can get there and shut this down quickly enough. Uh, before we get there, yeah. though, let's not forget about um, the end of Connors. Uh, which happens just yeah, before Oh, this. sure. Yeah, Cloak, yes. Cloak, Cloak eats him. So uh, Connors confronts him. He's like, hey, I, I know I can't shoot you. I'll shoot your little girlfriend. And uh, uh, Cloak takes him to the roof, is going to let him go. He tries to shoot Ty, and then Ty's Cloak is like, you're done, drags him into the Cloak itself, the Dark and Force dimension. And you predicted that several yes. episodes back. I did. I what, knew it. Where does... Is that like the, you know, the door where like each one of them have a powers where you can just kind of put people you don't like? I mean, in a way, yes, it's sort of like is Hulk's version of that. But that's a thing in the comics a, a lot. He yeah. drags a lot of villains in there in, in or people. He drags Thanos in there in the Infinity Gauntlet uh, briefly. Yeah. And the thing about it that probably people should know for season two is those folks can eventually come out, like not of their own volition. They're but, not dead. Yeah, but Cloak can actually spit them out. So it's and possible Connors can come back yeah. at some point. Uh, right. So, yeah, that was very cool. And then he decides to save the city all by himself. Daggers like, F that, and does a totally kick-ass cutting open a metal door with her daggers. Which I love. Stamps in, is like, screw you. I'm not going to let you do this alone. We're going to do this together. And very... Very quickly, they realize that what they need to do is blow Hold it up hands. by holding hands. So Very beautiful, cool. so simple. Loved I love it. that. Love it. Great. And we get this beautiful shot of them sucking up the energy, shooting it up in the air, finally working together. Uh, and they're on top of the Superdome. Oddly. <laughs> Oddly. Uh, it's a powerful choice. It is a powerful choice. But I felt weird about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel weird about it. I was just like, oh, okay. I mean, it's a specific choice, though, right? Like, it's giving shelter from the storm is very specifically what they're trying to do there. They are part of the city of New Orleans. uh, And they lie together there as the sun comes up, holding hands, which, again, I thought was a great moment. That's something we've been waiting for the entire season. And it was great. Uh, then we get some epilogue moments uh, at the very end. Uh, the Roxxon dude is uh, catatonic. Hat Sassen f- finds him. Maybe they're going to have a little relationship. Uh, Ty goes home to get his I stuff don't think that's gonna secretly. Uh, no. 
the cops are interrogating his family, and the mom hears him on the roof, maybe like a Santa Claus, uh, like in a the room in his room. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. But uh, mom goes up there and is sort of oddly fine with the fact that Ty is alive. And well, I think that's the important thing is yeah. that she knows that he's alive. Yeah, that yeah. he got away from the cops. They didn't kill him. He has taken his stuff, and he goes to live in the church while Tandy comes with a very specific news headline that says, "What is it? Rocks on." Uh, rocks to blame. on to blame. Rocks on to blame. Uh, very realistic headline on a yeah. newspaper, uh, but it tells her mom everything that she needs to In know. a fun switch, Tandy moves home while Ty moves to the church. I yep. thought that was cool because he's still a wanted man. Uh, they have sort of a flirty end uh, to their scene uh, in a way. Do. I feel like this the show... Uh, plays with the idea that they may have a romantic relationship, uh, but Tandy in this episode says, I think you and Emoji Girl are going to get together. Yeah, I do think ultimately they have a lot of chemistry together, but ultimately I think it's the same thing as we've talked about in the comics where it's not exactly romantic. Like they're not boyfriend and girlfriend. They are completely tied together. They're completely devoted to each other most of the time, but it doesn't take it to the level of romance. But don't you think that's going to be... I feel like that's a plot line next season. Yeah, 100%. I think at the least, because it's a TV show, they'll try it out, but I don't think it's ultimately going to happen. And then the last thing we see is a swamp shot of O'Reilly being weird. Yeah, so she's uh, Swamp Thing? She's Mayhem. Yeah. Uh, which is her. You know, from the uh, commercials? What? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the guy. insurance commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah the- so she's going to sell insurance next season, which is super cool. I'm super psyched for that. We're not going to talk about season two yet. We're going to have one more mini episode that we're going to do of this where we'll have some notes from our New Orleans correspondent on this last episode. Yeah. Uh, but I think... Just to kind of wrap up this season, I thought the show was phenomenal. Um, So well-structured, so well done. Pete, I know you didn't disagree, but I appreciate the fact that you're growing as a person. Yeah, I think that's the real thing to appreciate. I just wish I didn't have to watch this season and I could start with maybe next season where she's going to be a better person. I have a feeling that there's going to be some similar journeys. I don't want to do it then. I I don't want to do it then. We'll talk about that more the next episode. This episode only, though, Cloak or Dagger? Which one? Cloak or Dagger? Cloak. Cloak? What an oddly surprising choice. (laughs) Every episode, he was the better person. Every time. Justin, what about you? I'm going to go with Dagger. It was really nice to uh, Tandy at full confidence, full force, knowing that she's a hero was just great to see. Fucking piece of shit. I'm going to say Emoji Girl, of course. Yeah. I think the way that she walked into the church and was like, hey, Here's guys, the deal. bye, guys. Super sweet. She was like, I've seen this episode. You guys are the heroes. <laughs> yeah. Great season, by the way. Great season of television. Well, one thing I want to say uh, in addition, um, if there was a sacrifice that needed to be made um, to fulfill the prophecy that Emoji Girl and her, hand, her aunt lay out, don't you think that O'Reilly was the one that the sacrifice? Oh, interesting. I was watching you saying that if Cloak died, I will never watch this show again. They're not going to die they at this point. Um, again, we'll talk more about the second season in the next episode. But I do think if you consider Cloak and Dagger to be almost one entity, and uh-huh. then O'Reilly being the second part of that duo, then she was the one that sacrificed. And she did get blasted with the energy. Yeah. So that's a good theory. I like that theory a lot. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening this season. As said, we'll be back with one more episode. But if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the Pit Loft in New York. So come on by. We'll chat about Cloak or Dagger or Cheers, but not all three of those things. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live and continue to study Pete's personal journey on his own Twitter feed. Uh, Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for the podcast and more. And be sure to head to Freeform TV immediately after this for their awesome three-second long digital series. (laughs) They have hours of three-second digital (laughs) extras. It's honestly too much. It's very annoying. 